Welcome everybody to the latest edition of the Pound for Pound podcast. This is your host, the OG Rob Silver, and today we will be talking about Arta Betabia's destruction of Joe Smith Jr. We'll talk about a leading, my new leading candidate for knockout of the year, Robert C. Ramirez's one-punch knockout of Abraham Nova. I will make my prediction for this week's upcoming super flyweight world title fight between Jesse Bam Rodriguez and Sorong Vasai. And I will end the program with my profile on my 35th greatest fighter of the last 45 years. And that is Marco Antonio Barrera. Now, real quick, I want to explain the rankings and why I decided to do 45 of the last 45 years, top 45 fighters of the last 45 years. That is because I started watching boxing in 1977. So this takes into account everything I've seen from 1977 to last year, 2021. This year doesn't count because it's the 46th year I've been watching boxing. So this these rankings comprise of the years 1977 to 2021. I don't recognize anything before 1977 in these rankings because I wasn't alive to see these fighters. I rank athletes, fighters, actors, singers, musicians, anything, TV shows, etc. on things I saw live and in person, things that I was alive for my uh, era, my generation. Like, you know, on on, so, on Twitter, you have all these debates. Oh, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Oh, Seth Curry was greater than Will Chamberlain. I only look at what happened from when I started watching basketball in 1977 to today. Same applies to boxing. I, everybody, oh, Sugar Ray Robinson was the greatest fighter of all time. My father said Sugar Ray Robinson was the greatest fighter of all time. But my father saw Sugar Ray Robinson fight. When he was a kid, I didn't. I didn't. I don't consider watching the fights on YouTube the same thing because you're you're watching these 50 to 60 years later after the fact. I remember watching Hagler, Duran, Hearns, Leonard, Roy Jones Jr., James Tony, Alexis Arguello, uh, etc. either on cable, network television, Closed circuit, pay-per-view, whatever, live, whether with my father or or after my father passed away 22 years ago. I watch it with current eyes, not past eye, uh, past eyes looking at uh with uh, being a 2020 hindsight and Monday morning quarterback. And no, I don't do that. So you'll never have me in a debate about who the greatest such and such of all time is. I will only talk about what I've seen, the greatest of my era. And these are the 45 greatest fighters of my era today. My number 35, Marco Antonio Barrera, I will be talking about. And um, you can uh, see the rest of my articles. My, my number 13 will be uh, published this week. Series of articles on FightGameMedia.com, the parent website of this podcast, the Fight Game Media Podcast uh, Network. You'll see my 45 greatest fighters of the last 45 years in full detail, each article, 
And I'm up to number 13 And that'll be Roberto Duran Which is coming out this week Now On to Saturday night At the Hulu Theater At Madison Square Garden Now real quick My uh Every week I go on a tangent About these horrible boxing announcers That are That are just killing the sport They're just horrible I, you, You've heard me over and over again Criticize the zone team um, there's a certain announcer on Showtime that fucking I w- wish I could mute Mr. Mama Mia. He's horrible. And ESPN has a horrible announcing team other than Andre Ward. Everybody else is a joke on that uh, on, on in that network. Mark Regal, horrible, horrible, horrible. Right. Timothy Bradley. He's a joke. The lead announcer, Joe Testator. Once again with the hyperbole. Now, Mr. Testator, I'm going to explain this to you, you fucking clown. Testator made talked about, oh, who better be Evan Joe Smith sharing the same ring that Muhammad Ali fought it eight times? You stupid ass moron. The Hulu Theater used to be known as the Felt Forum Back in the 1970s Now the Felt Forum Didn't come into existence Until Late 60s Early 70s And Mr. Testator Yes Muhammad Ali fought Eight times in the big arena Madison Square Garden Not the 4500 To 5000 seat Felt Forum that is now the Hulu Theater Ali never fought in that of venue The Hulu Theater at Madison Square Garden And Madison Square Garden Are two separate venues So no They did not share the same ring In the same building As Muhammad Ali You dumb ass mofo Now On to the fights Robert C. Ramirez Versus Abraham Nova Featherweight uh, matchup Abraham Nova, more known for the mascot that looks exactly like him down to the gray beard. Solid fighter, but uh, he's never going to be a world champion, all right? Robert C. Ramirez, former Olympic gold medalist. Yes, the man is very talented, lost his first pro fight, but has rebounded since. And Saturday night, he finally showed the brilliance that we saw as an amateur. And first four rounds, he became more of an aggressive fighter. Robert C. Ramirez is your normal, is your typical Cuban softball who's real cute, makes you miss, and boxes your ears off like, like Arislandi Lara used to be, like Joel Casamayor, the, the great former junior lightweight and lightweight world champion. Do, uh, and, of course, Guillermo Rigondeaux, one of the greatest 122-pound fighters of all time. That's the the typical Cuban style, okay? Oh, and by the way, you can also go on FightGameMedia.com and go see my latest article on Carlos Ortiz, who died last Monday at the age of 85. Uh, He is the godfather of Puerto Rican boxing, and he was the one who created the prototypical Puerto Rican style of boxing. 
That's the boxer puncher that can try to outbox you or outpunch you according to your style. Well, the Cuban way of boxing has been that slick, soft paw, make you miss, outbox you behind a nice right jab and a beautiful left cross. Well, this fight, Ramirez took it to Nova and he dominated the fight. And then finally in the fifth round, Nova up against the ropes. He uh, Ramirez landed a beautiful left cross that knocked Nova completely out. And Nova head th- bounced off the canvas like a basketball. And the referee didn't bother counting. Stopped the fight right then and there. Fight's over. Fifth round knockout for Robesy Ramirez. Um, 126 pounds is wide open right now. Ramirez... Ramirez is uh is a man. He's he's a problem at one twenty six for the Navarettes of the world. So we will see what happens in the future. But a Ramirez keeps improving with each fight, especially after that shocking upset loss in his pro debut. He has bounced back beautifully. Now, the main event: Arta Betterbiev versus Joe Smith for three of the four criminal cartel organizations. Um, world titles uh, Better BF Coming in the ring was the IBF and WBA champion Joe Smith Jr. the WBO champion As I stated last week I thought Smith had no shot in the world Of beating Better BF Because in order to beat Arthur Better BF You cannot outslug the man You got to box him You got to stay from the outside Have a beautiful left jab And try and wear him down By tiring him out and then either stopping him late on cuts or, or or accumulation of punches or win, win via decision. Better be able to tank. While Better BF has been hurt before, he gets right back up and he comes back. He's he's a machine. You're not out brawling this guy. You got to outbox him. Joe Smith is not a boxer. He's a brawler. And I predicted a ninth round KO by Better BF. Once again, I was right as who won. I haven't been wrong all year. You can listen to all the past uh, predictions I've done this year. 2022, I've been right all the time. And many times, I got the round correct. Well, this week, I didn't get the round correct because I didn't expect uh, Better BF, who's usually, normally, a slow starter, to start so fast. And why did he start so fast? Because Joe Smith, instead of trying to outbox Better BF, which I knew he had no shot at doing, tried to walk Better BF down. And he went behind his jab, and the first 90 seconds of round one, he had some success. I'm not going to lie. He was able to do some things with that uh, with that jab of his, but... He was walking into a firing squad by the by by with with the beginning of the second half of the first round. Better BF began to counter that jab with his booming right cross, and he began to hurt Smith every time he landed that right cross. Landing right cross after right cross, and with seconds left in the round, he dropped Smith with what a right cross. Right then and there, I knew Smith wasn't getting out the second round. And the second round, he beat the God 
living snot out of Joe Smith. Finally, <laughs> referee stops the fight. Arthur better BF with a destruction of Joe Smith Jr. Um, before I before I predict what's in the future for Arthur Better BF, in my opinion, Joe Smith, you had a better career than expected. You need to retire because you will never be world champion at 175. You already you've lost to the two champions in Braval and Better BF. Bavall boxed your ear, ears off, and Better BF almost put you in a casket. And uh, you're too small to go up to 195-200 uh, cruiserweight. I mean, Smith could make a career fighting in the New York, New Jersey uh, area as a stepping stone fighter, but he will never be world champion again. He could forget that. Matter of fact, Anthony Yardy, you have a better bet of or, and Gilberto Zerto Ramirez, you guys should try to fight Joe Smith Jr. instead of trying to fight better be Evan Baval. Let those cats fight each other. Fight uh, uh, fight Smith to prove that you deserve a shot at either Baval or better BF. Uh, Baval and better BF, that's the fight to make. Now, Bob Arum, I believe, has come to an agreement with Anthony Yardy's promoters in England to bring better BF to England to fight Yardy. That's going to be a one-sided beating. Yardy lost to a washed-up Sergey Kovalev. Even got dropped by a jab. Better BF will murder Yardy. Um, if Smith went out in two, Yardy could easily go out in the first round. I hope that fight doesn't happen, but I have a bad feeling that's going to happen. And Bavon might have to fight Ramirez instead. And this unification fight would not happen this year, but sometime next year. I hope smarter heads prevail and that that clown-ass Bob Arum uh, goes to Eddie Hearn in the zone and tries to make a fight between Better Biev and Bavon. That's the only fight to make at 175. Everybody else needs to fall the fuck back. Now, on to my prediction for this week's WBC Super Flyweight 115-pound title fight between the champion, Jesse Bam Rodriguez, and the challenger, Sir Rungvisai. Jesse Bam Rodriguez is a very good, Border, uh, bordering on great boxer puncher. He has all the tools at 115 pounds, and he's only 22 years old. So Rungvisai has shown slippage since being the only man to defeat Chocolatito twice, even knocking him out in a brutal knockout, in which I thought Chocolatito was, was done. Who would have thought after that brutal knockout years later, so Rungvisai looks like he is on the precipice of being done. And Chocolatito's had a rebirth in his career. Both Chocolatito and Sir Rungvisai are 35 years old. So this is why I'm picking Jesse Bam Rodriguez over Sir Rungvisai. In their primes, Sir Rungvisai would, 
would be a major problem for Jesse Bam Rodriguez, especially when he's being very aggressive. But 35 is archaic, is ancient at 115 pounds. Jesse Bam Rodriguez is 22 years old. He's not even in his prime yet. He's quick. He has great punching power. He throws combinations. He's got a beautiful jab. So Rung Vasai has a lot of heart, and he's and if Chocolatito didn't knock him out, I don't think so. Uh, Rodriguez will. I think Rodriguez will do like in his title-winning fight. Uh, control the fight, move in and out, box when he has to, go inside when he has to, and win a convincing 12-round decision over Sir Rung Vasai. Now, Sir Rung Vasai does have game-changing power, and if he catches Rodriguez... We will, we will see if Rodriguez can survive adversity. Let's hope for Rodriguez's sake that he doesn't have to do this. Hopefully it's a smart fight plan and he doesn't have to try and survive from being severely hurt because Sorong Vasai is an incredible finisher. But if Rodriguez fights the way I expect him to fight and being 13 years younger, and nowhere near the amount of punishment taken like Sir Rungvisai, Rodriguez by 12-round decision. And then we can possibly see later down the line Rodriguez versus Chocolatito for a unification of their uh, criminal cartel boxing organization world titles at 115 pounds. So we will see. Now, on to my profile of the great Marco Antonio Barrera and I wrote and this article came out I believe August of last year on fightgamemedia.com and I begin the first time my father and I saw Marco Antonio Barrera fight was his HBO debut on February 3rd 1996 against Olympic gold medalist Kennedy McKinney we had read several articles on how the Mexican fans and media were, procl were proclaiming him to be the next Julio Cesar Chavez. That night, my father and I were both in amazement as to how similar Barrera was stylistically to Chavez. Barrera knocked out McKinney in the 12th round of an incredible firefight and showed several elements that would eventually result in the Mexican star becoming the 35th greatest fighter of the last 45 years. The WBO version of the 122-pound title defended by Barrera that night against McKinney was the fifth successful defense of a belt he won on March 31, 1995 from Puerto Rican boxer Daniel Jimenez. Now, I'm going to reiterate what I've been saying my entire life and on every podcast and article I've written about the WBO in the 1990s. The WBO in the 1990s was a joke of a world title, all right? It was primarily used for Eastern European fighters to win quasi-world titles. It was a joke. Not even Ring Magazine, the Bible of Boxing, recognized the WBO as a world title. Many a times, HBO wouldn't even consider the WBO when they were doing their boxing 
as a legit world title. I didn't consider the WBO world title a legit world title. Well, today, I don't consider any of the criminal cartel alphabet soup organizations a real world title. Me, and I will be doing this soon on a future podcast, I recognize one champion per division, and normally I go by Ring Magazine's world titles because Ring Magazine, historically, has always had, as their world champion, the man who beat the man who beat the man. Not, uh, 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 they don't just give titles to a, a, a people. You have to earn that Ring Magazine title by either being a lineal champion or by beating the, the main man in the organization when the top two fighters from that division fight when there's no clear-cut world champion yet. Um, so this uh, world title that he was defending, the, the Super Bantamweight title against Kenny McKinney that night, was a bogus title, a bogus title. Anyway, back to the article. After finishing off McKinney, Barrera stayed extremely busy in 1996, scoring three more knockouts uh, in defense of his title before facing Brooklyn native Junior Jones on November 22, 1996. I was a huge fan of Jones, as he reminded me of a young Thomas Hearns. At five foot eight, Jones was very tall for his weight class and possessed a stifling jab and booming right cross similar to the legendary Hitman. Unfortunately, Jones also shared Hearns' procli- procli- proclivity of both a shaky chin and stamina. In 1994, Jones was knocked out twice by lesser skilled fighters. Many experts assumed this would be the final straw in Jones' career, a brutal beating at the hands of Barrera. As my father always succinctly, succinctly stated, no boxer is ever unbeatable. For the first four rounds, Jones kept the five foot six Barrera at bay with a stiff left jab. Barrera had never faced such a lengthy boxer with heightened reach like Jones. Then with, then, with about 30 seconds left in round five, Jones landed a picture-perfect right cross that dropped the iron chin Barrera, similar to the way Hearns dropped Pepino Cuevas in his incredible August 2nd, 1980 knockout. Barrera got up bloodied and practically, practically out on his feet. Jones immediately jumped on Barrera, landing several punches before Barrera fell down in a heap. Barrera's cornerman jumped into, into the ring to stop the fight. Barrera's star had taken a major hit. Barrera would lose the rematch to Jones five months later in a heated 12-round war that could have gone either way. Barrera, after an initial brief retirement, would begin his climb back to the top of the division 10 months later. Barrera regained the WBO 122-pound title on Halloween night by destroying Richie Wenton in three rounds. After two successful defenses of the title, Barrera signed to fight the WBC Eric Morales in the greatest fight ever held between two Mexican boxers. I called it the eighth greatest fight of all time. The WBO was so incensed that Barrera did not win the decision that many felt he earned that they decided in an unprecedented move to continue to recognize Barrera as their 122-pound title holder. Barrera successfully defended his title three more times before abdicating the belt to move up to 126 pounds in early 2001 
for a fight against the then undefeated power puncher, Nassim Hamed. It would be the defining point of Barrera's career. Hamed had dominated the Federate division for over five years. Hamed had defeated almost every top 126-pound fighter of his era with his unorthodox softball style combined with mule kick-like power in both fists. Before my father made his transition to the afterlife in July of 2000, he predicted that a ta- talented counterpuncher could have a field day with the British Prince's wild and aggressive lunges. The night of April 7, 2001, Barrera proved my father's theory was on point as he put on a master display of counterpunching. Hamed was continually baffled as he was beating to the punch time and time again. Hamed was ineffective the entire 12 rounds as Barrera's pinpoint accurate counters resulted in a lopsided 12-round decision. Hamed was so flustered by this loss that he only fought one more time the following year before retiring for good. As for Barrera, he would continue to add to his legacy as one of the greatest Mexican fighters of all time. On June 22, 2002, Barrera fought Morales in a highly anticipated rematch, this time for Morales' WBC and the vacant Ring Magazine Featherweight Championship. Morales, in my opinion, controlled the majority of the fight by using his superior height and jab. Unfortunately, the tables were, t- were this time turned on El Terrible, and it was Barrera who received, in my opinion, a 12-round gift decision and the titles. Barrera would follow up with successful ring title defenses against Johnny Tapia and Kevin Kelly. He would then run into the juggernaut named Manny Pacquiao. On November 15, 2003, the now 29-year-old Barrera faced at the time the single most exciting fighter in the sport, the soon-to-be 25-year-old Filipino buzzsaw Pacquiao. Throughout the entire fight, Barrera looked more like 49 as Pacquiao battered him from pillar to post with blinding speed and angles that I hadn't seen since the prime of Aaron Pryor. Towards the end of round 11, Barrera's corner had no choice but to throw in the towel and end the one-sided massacre. I thought it was over for Barrera, but the Mexican warrior had one final great fight left in him. Barrera moved up to 130 pounds and faced his most hated rival, Morales, for El Terrible's WBC Super Featherweight title on November 27, 2004. It was a war that rivaled their first fight, at both, as both men several times throughout the fight traded an insane number of power punches. Barrera did not look like the shot fighter he appeared to be against Pacquiao, as he got the better of most of the exchanges, and finally a legit winner in the trilogy was rightfully declared. Barrera had earned his third world title and once again was near the top of the boxing world. He should have retired that night on top. Instead, he continued to fight, and despite being past his prime, he successfully defended his 130-pound crown four times. Then came fights against the deadly duo of Juan Manuel Marquez and Pacquiao again. Barrera lost his title on March 17, 2007 to Marquez via 12-round decision. 
despite now being 33 and a much slower than the master counterpuncher and fellow Mexican great Marquez, Barrera's game and shockingly very competitive in losing his title. Then, seven months later, Barrera was once again very competitive and giving a much better accounting against Pacquiao than their, than their first fight before losing a 12-round decision. Barrera would fight five more times, losing only to the up-and-coming future champion Amir Khan before finally retiring in 2011 at the age of 37. Marco Antonio Barrera was the closest fighter that I'd compare to the legendary Julio Cesar Chavez. An incredible body puncher who obliterated you after wearing you down, Barrera was also one of the most resilient boxers that ever lived. Despite two tough losses to Junior Jones and Eric and one to Eric Morales, Barrera came back each time an even better fighter. In a six-year time span, Barrera successfully defended his 122-pound world title 13 times. By the end of his reign in 2001, Barrera had successfully transitioned into being a tremendous boxer puncher with, with, with much more head movement and counter-punching acumen. His trilogy with Eric Morales is the greatest trilogy in Mexican boxing history. His epic win over Nassim Hamed is one of the greatest performances of the 45 years I've been watching boxing. Barrera would finish with, with an outstanding 67-7 and records with 44 knockouts. He ducked no one and fought everyone, easily making him the 35th greatest fighter of the last 45 years. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Be blessed and be a blessing.